0: Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics. Featuring occasional injections of rumor in the window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Professor Mark Casello. Healthcare private equity investor Greg Marshall. Financial journalist Terry Savage. And a little bit later on in the program, political strategist Dick Morris. Our program tonight coming to you from Mount Base at AM 560, WIND Radio in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289, one 723 8289 of course, those call lines are open for you to participate uh, in this broadcast. And uh, we're going to begin spending the first hour about uh, the big uh, political news, or one piece of big political news from the White House last week uh... was the signing of the uh, the inflation reduction act as they call it and we'll find out how true that uh, name is as the program unfolds this evening but we're going to be talking about finances and uh, some of the things that are in that package and what it means for you as a taxpayer and you as an american and if you're a political operative what it means for you in the battle for the hearts and minds of the american people come this fall uh... i want to begin uh... with greg marshall who was our Republican, he's our businessman. We also have Terry Savage and uh, Mark Casella with us in the first hour. But Greg, I want to I want to talk to you because uh, we were uh, ironically we were having we were having dinner when the when this bill passed, and you were quite beside yourself at the moment. So when now that you've had a chance to look at the entire legislation, what's the biggest piece of this legislation that really disappoints you and ticks you off?
1: Well, I think there's a a few elements that have far-reaching implications. One, most importantly, is the ability of the government to negotiate certain Medicare drug prices. Uh, In the original Build Back Better bill, it extended to private insurance providers, but in this bill that became law, it's restricted to Medicare Part D. That's a bit of detail, but uh, that will have far-reaching implications as it spills into the private market insurance. In what way? well you could see reductions in pharmaceutical spending uh, i'm not sure it's going to create the savings that folks anticipate
0: okay. and uh, when you look at this bill as a democrat uh... mark what is the uh... what is the piece of this legislation that excites you most either as a citizen or as a political operative
2: sure well i i would have to answer the the um, medicare <laughs> drug pricing i think <laughs> I think the idea of being able to negotiate the those drug prices down could have uh, some important implications for uh, senior citizens.
0: Okay, Terry, let me turn to you. Uh, you're a financial analyst uh, and financial you're more of a financial journalist. Let me say that. So uh, there's been a big brouhaha over this legislation for quite some time. Uh, is it as big a deal as uh, the White House and Dem- some Democrats want to make it out to be?
3: again but the name of it is what just cracked me up i mean in no way is this particularly pro or anti-inflation but it was a nice somebody had a great marketing spin to put on it if you want to know what the real impact was just take a look at the financial markets it had zero impact on the financial markets i may have some interesting political implications Uh, the administration quote getting something done doing something particular uh, particularly that might impact the democratic base But as far as financial implications, I think we're going to find out the Fed is now in charge of fighting inflation. It is going to be talking more this week uh, uh, at their annual meeting in Jackson Hole. That will make the headlines about how tough they're going to be, and they're talking tough. Mm -hmm. That would be the most anti-inflation news that impacts the market, not this bill.
0: Greg, when you look at the legislation, what is the piece of the legislation that the average American is going to understand and Deal first
1: well from a healthcare perspective I, I think the the in terms of the timeline of implementation the first uh, impact would be the uh, cap on insulin uh... copates of35 dollars and that was a Trump initiative it was an executive order by Trump and now it's codified into law and that starts in 2023 many of the other provisions in this bill as it relates to health anyway don't really become effective until four or five years from now
0: right, th- w- what about uh... What about climate change and, and energy related matters? Is there, is the average person going to feel some of these?
1: Uh, pieces I think of the average person change? wants to spend less than ten dollars a month to fight fight climate change. That's a, a statistic I saw. Uh, I'm not, I'm sure these are twenty to thirty year investments, which may take a while to uh, to bear fruit.
0: What about it? This is a climate change is a big issue for you. Um, is the average person or ho- homeowner are they going to be able to? Uh, to point to this in their in their in their monthly income <clears throat> and budget and say okay this is where this comes from
2: where where you may see it there's some block grants that are on a two-year window where they want to give out uh, twenty seven billion dollars in block grants to city-states public-private partnerships to do various kind of environmental initiatives as those block grants roll out to cities it'll be kind of obscured from public view um, that this act was behind those initiatives but they could be helpful I think one one area that's really important. I live on the south side of Chicago, and uh, it's in a former industrial area. If you're outside of Chicago, and there's a lot of Superfund sites. And so, one thing this bill does is it restores 11 billion dollars um, for Superfund site cleanup. And so that's going to help uh, in communities affected. But who,
0: here's my question: Who understands that? I mean, is it is it uh, business people in the area? Is it the politicians in the area? Is it Joe and Mabel, average citizen? In the in the neighborhood, that says, "Oh my God, they're finally cleaning up this this site," and 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 it's coming because of this legislation. Yeah, I, that, I, I, I want to know how the average person <laughs> can can look at this and and thank Joe Biden for it, or be ticked off at Joe Biden for it.
2: Yeah, I I think you know, getting back to Terry's point, uh, calling it the Inflation Reduction Act <laughs> was patently ridiculous. Really. Um, it I makes a political point, but if anybody in the audience picks up the bill and starts reading it, you, it's quickly apparent without an economics degree that this isn't really about inflation. It's really a, a revenue generating bill and a spending bill. Uh, Terry.
3: Yeah, I was just going to point out to what Greg said about the prescription drug impact. Um, it will have long term effects, but it will also have reasonably immediate effects. For those of you who have Medicare plus Part D, traditional Medicare supplement, and Part D, the drug bill, Um, nothing will change for 2023 but in 2024 you know at some point you reach that crisis level of and you still have a 5% copay in 2024 that 5% copay above the max level that will go away and by 2025 it will actually have negotiated prices. Um, They may not get all the deals done and all the negotiations done and maybe again a lot of that could depend on the outcome of not only these elections but 2024 but the fact is there's supposed to be a cap, and that will take place in 2025, of $2,000. So, you know, we don't see that so much. I think if you're healthy, you don't see it. If you have it, you know, just meeting your deductible is a a little thing in your Mm -hmm. life. But there are plenty of people who are spending, seniors who have to make choices between food and medicines. And I think, you know, I'm a free market economist type person, but on the other hand... um, I think under the circumstances that the government is put, puts you in these programs, they have a certain responsibility to make sure that the goals of prescription medicine available to all are achievable. And that's what we're gonna see in two years, not five or six or 10 years down the road. Okay,
0: we've gotta pause, 1-800-723-8029. is our telephone number. If you wanna join our expert guests on the subject this evening, 1-800-723-8289. From coast to coast and border to border around the world at theonthebeltway.com, I'm Bruce Dubon from Elk Grove Village,
4: Illinois.
5: At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. A kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey
6: Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for Working Adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than one million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu.
7: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably.
8: Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure,
9: Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs)
10: Ready to go?
9: Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm
10: pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably
7: okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
11: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Get up. Your football buddy. Go! Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org.
12: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or, uh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
11: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
0: Bruce Tumont back, and uh, we'll go back to discussion in just a moment, but I do want to read some of the basic things about the legislation. The bill will kick-start the era of affordable, clean energy in America. That is exactly uh what the Senator Schumer said. He says it's a game changer, it's a turning point. It's been a long time in coming. The legislation invests nearly four hundred billion dollars in energy security and climate change proposals and would help reduce carbon emissions by approximately forty percent by two thousand and thirty to incentivize consumers to purchase technologies to lower emissions and energy prices. The bill includes 9 billion dollars in consumer uh, home energy rebate programs, a $4,000 customer tax credit to purchase used electric vehicles, and 7,500 tax credit to buy new clean vehicles, both of which are available only to lower and middle-class incomes and the bill's energy section invests 30 billion dollars in production tax credits to speed U.S. production of solar panels, wind turbines, batteries, and critical uh, minerals, pr- mineral processing. So those are some of the things that relates to climate and climate change. Does anybody want to make any comment on any of those points, uh, Mark? I was just
2: going to add that um, there's also an incentive for uh, purchasing uh, electric school buses, uh, garbage vehicles. Um, Another large uh, heavy-duty equipment. There's about a billion dollars uh, going to to grants, and then there'll be special money allocated uh, as part of that for communities that are below minimum air quality standards. So they'll be getting sort of prioritized treatment. So if you're in a community with uh, bad air quality, you're more likely to see electric garbage trucks uh, serving your community. Uh, if the and how
0: soon will that happen?
2: So that's uh, like, uh, within a five-year rollout. It looks like. Um, so those block grants will be coming. Gary, right is there anything about Andrew, that that, uh,
0: that yeah, your it, opinion?
3: It's the impact. The question is, you know, are these solar credits, do, are we going to have another cylindra where the government decides to pick winners and, the, in fact, picks a loser? Uh, that's one possibility. If, interestingly enough, I've been following the credits for purchasing an electric vehicle because I have one on order. I, I won't qualify based on the income, thankfully. But the fact is that Ford and General Motors both raised the prices, of their electric vehicles by about five to seven thousand dollars just as this bill was passing i will be very interested to see if anybody actually has enough money to buy one of these electric cars while having the income low enough to qualify for the credits so a lot of the headline points in this bill sound great i'm not an energy expert um, but i know that for a long time we're going to need both uh, traditional energy sources as well as uh, cleaner energy sources. Um, it's been a very messed up game in Washington these last two years. As a result, we're in the position we're in right now with high prices and global problems. So I'll be fascinated to see if all these promises, which always sound so good. The one I'm fascinated by is $80 million for the FBI. Now, look, I mean right the server for the IRS. IRS. <laughs> I am the one that's always talking to people who still can't reach the IRS, who still haven't gotten their refunds and so forth. I don't know where they're, they're going to spend this on audits or maybe just getting the backlog of returns done that hasn't been done for the last three years. But uh, rewarding an agency that can't get its act together, I think there should have been some strings attached oversight.
0: I want to get everybody's re I'm going to start with Greg. Greg, I know you've got a comment on a different <laughs> issue, but... On the issue of the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents and the eighty billion dollar budget, from a political standpoint, that every citizen could clearly understand. Do you think that's the biggest political mistake? Not not mistake. It's the biggest political issue that the Democrats are going to have to defend and explain.
1: It very well could be. Although the the uh, the, the fact that the it- the expansion of the IRS is coupled with the promise that they're not going to target middle-income Americans. And I, I think that's where the, the argument falls apart. So it is a potential liability. Um, but, I, but I will also say the IRS needs, for all the reasons Terry just said, needs reform. We probably aren't collecting the taxes that are due. Uh, the question is, will there be overreach?
2: What do you think? Uh, so, uh,
1: you, c-
0: what, do you want to be de- when you go door to door knocking on your, <laughs> as a precinct captain, yeah. are you going to have to want to defend the uh, eighty billion for the irs
2: yeah it's a it w- you know I don't know if I called it a political blunder, but it was sort of like uh, well, Democrats had to go there because they want to make this argument that they're going to generate revenue one hundred and twenty four billion uh, John Koskin, the former commissioner of the IRS, said he thinks that revenue number's low uh, but we're talking about 45.6. The
0: expenditure number is low.
2: He thinks the revenue number that okay. they're going to recover more than okay. that 124 billion. But 45.6 billion just for enforcement. And in the law, and I've read it, it's 730 pages, so you can think of that as a billion dollars a page for this bill. Yep. And there's nothing in the enforcement clause about who is being enforced upon. So I think that's where the average taxpayer can be wary because, um, you know, you, you underpay your well, withholding ass- from your paycheck yeah, but the, and suddenly you're getting a letter now.
0: Yeah, but the, the, the assumption is that they're going to go after those who make more than $400,000 Yeah, yeah a be And then also, yeah, right. I think an assumption would be that people who make more than $400,000 a year, they've got their own set of tax experts, so they're not going to be making many mistakes. Terry... Is this, is this the biggest mistake? Yeah. Is, this the, is this going to be the toughest thing for a Democrat, literally going to door as a precinct captain to, uh, to defend and say this is a good idea?
3: Well, I don't know about the door-to-door politics, but I think if Americans thought that the IRS was being held to account, literally the way it holds taxpayers to account, and would be responsive to the issues that taxpayers have, in terms of getting their returns processed, getting their refunds paid out, if there had been some indication that along with this additional enforcement, there might be some um, upgrading of the services the IRS is supposed to provide and currently doesn't, of the garnishments and the liens that it places incorrectly, of the inability to get through to them at all to get things dealt with, if they had only included that, even as on their list of things the IRS would be doing, instead they're all talking about enforcement, and like you know, the bank robbers—they go where the money is—and that's the middle-class taxpayers, probably under four hundred thousand, who don't have lawyers, who don't have a way to rebut these claims from the IRS, and who are frustrated completely. So that's a political risk for Washington. Greg, we're already Greg is annoyed about everything else political, and we're already annoyed about the IRS giving them more money to hunt us down. Doesn't seem like a good political idea for any party.
0: Greg is nodding his head as you speak, Greg.
1: Well, I I agree with you, Terry. I I think some of the enforcement will go toward the, you know, corporations as well, however, with the new 15% minimum tax. Uh granted it's a smaller portion of IRS revenue, but uh, there's going to be more tax enforcement on the corporate side.
0: Do you know when, you know, obviously politicians, mostly Democrats have been talking for for decades about large corporations that pay no taxes. As someone who pays taxes, probably a lot of taxes, is, is that a fair question to ask? In other words, corporations in this country, the ones that maybe soon be paying 15%, should they be paying something in the past? They,
1: they already are, and I, and I think Tell that's... Tell me where
0: they are. Well, and,
1: they're paying many other sorts of ta- sorts of taxes and fees and so forth, but this is an argument about a tax code that Congress wrote. They're complying with the law, and if you really want to get conspiratorial it is a effort to advance a global minimum tax which uh, secretary Yellen is supporting so should they pay something these are laws that were written and passed by Congress they're they're abiding by the law generally
0: so these are not exclusively laws written by Democrats no they're written by both parties this is this has been a bipartisan effort of course it has. to provide support or look the other way to corporations that don't pay and here's the here's the other thing Fair, their fair share. How, w- how would you describe a fair share of someone's tax responsibility? A,
1: corporate, a corporation It's or, or following, following the law. To me, it's following the law. You know, even some of the uh, items in this uh, new law are going to require advanced depreciation of certain assets. Those are all tax deductions. And and when you start closing those down, you do affect the uh, the, the the flow of investment in new, into new industry.
0: Mark, you have used the term uh, pay your fair taxes for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's part of the democratic mantra. Right. Um, do you really believe that's the case? And is it widespread? Or is it just part of, uh, you know, the, the MO that you guys use when you go uh, precincting? You know?
2: <laughs> sure. So... Um, you
0: have knocked on a door before though, right? Yes. Haven't uh, you been a precinct captain?
2: I've never been a precinct captain. But okay. I've knocked on plenty of doors.
0: But you the understand the concept. I've got okay. the concept. Well, go ahead.
2: Um, so, in reading the legislation here, because you'll hear in the media, oh, now we're finally going to hold those corporations accountable and we're going to tax them, and as a progressive, you know, that our message has always been, you know, let's, let's make people it. pay their fair share, but when you get into the bill, it excludes basically Wall Street, it excludes real estate investment trusts. And it's got this convoluted language that's trying to sort of carve out, trying to get to those corporations with a billion, over a billion dollars profit. Um, so it's it's again kind of picking, singling out who they're they're trying to get. They estimate that it's going to affect 125 uh, corporations. It's a little vague of uh, who those are. Um, so I, I think you know, yes, if if there's a company like Amazon that's that's making huge corporate profits, um, paying a little bit more, you know tax than a school teacher might pay would be good. <laughs> um, but one thing about the bill I just wanted to add in here too is it's kind of uh, again also comical is they've allocated only 15 million dollars to the development of a free e-file system. So you know most Americans are out there either paying you know someone to do their taxes or they're paying for software annually or access to get through their taxes. $15 million out of an $80 billion bill to develop a free e-file system. Pretty small investment.
0: We've got a pause. 1-800-723-8029. Mark Casello, Greg Marshall, they join me in studio. Terry Savage joins us from afar via Zoom. 1-800-723-8029. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago.
10: Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education.
6: Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for Working Adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. 145 over 92. 180
9: over 111. 182 over 100. And
13: I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your
14: blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of
15: people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
16: My memory is shot when I woke up I
14: couldn't speak lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. it's a new life
15: but I'm gonna make it better I'll come back to ask your doctor check your blood pressure
14: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical
16: Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
0: Bruce back. nice to have you with us. Uh, We've got guests this Mm -hmm. evening. We're going to let them introduce themselves, and we're going to start with Greg Marshall. Give us a little uh, 30-second bio on yourself, Greg.
1: Sure. Uh, Bruce, I, I uh, have been in the private equity business since 1996, investing in healthcare companies around the country. Prior to that, I was an advisor to healthcare entities. I went to school at Northwestern and have lived in Chicago most of my adult life.
0: And uh, the most people uh, probably think of healthcare as with a uh, in a very complex way. There's a lot of twists and turns. Would you say that's
1: it is one of the most complex, dynamic industries in the economy. It's obviously very large, uh, mm-hmm. but what w- our function is really capital formation for small business. Uh, so all the healthcare companies out there, m- you know, most have under a hundred million of revenue. Um, need capital. They need expertise, and our function is to provide that capital.
0: <coughs> and uh, Greg Marshall, I'm not. I'm your Greg Marshall, <laughs> <laughs> Mark Casello. We're going to turn your microphone on because I I I missed up.
2: Okay. I'm Mark Casello. I'm a chair of the humanities at uh, Calumet College of St. Joseph in Whiting, Indiana. And I'm also uh, president and founder of the Pullman National Monument Preservation Society, which does uh, historic preservation advocacy on Chicago's south side.
0: How did you get interested in the Pullman uh, estate?
2: So, uh, you know... uh, Tell
0: people what it is. For those people around the country, it really it's one of the most fascinating stories in American history
2: absolutely so uh, I was interested in labor literature uh, you know, uh, novels and fiction about uh, the f- struggle between labor and capital uh, and my field was in the the late 19th century and so Pullman manufactured railroad sleeping cars uh, that would be like first-class uh, plane accommodations mm-hmm. for us today and uh, he wanted to uh, Keep his workers happy, so he could generate larger profits. So he built an entire town uh, for the production, uh, a utopian town for the production of his train cars. Um, on the trains were the Pullman porters who provided uh, excellent service, and he capitalized on the end of slavery by hiring freedmen uh, to service porters. And uh, those porters eventually organized, forming in the 20th century a major African American labor union that led to the modern civil rights movement. So a lot of uh, national history intersects at Pullman in this little town, a little neighborhood on Chicago's south side.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you come to Chicago, you can actually there's things to see out there. America. Absolutely, Terry Savage, you are illustrious. You're known throughout the country, but uh, for those that uh, may have been on a rock, tell us a little bit about what you do.
3: Well, Terry Savage, also known frequently as the Money Lady. Um, I've been. I grew up in the markets. I was a founding member and the first woman trader on the Chicago Board Options Exchange, and spent a lot of time on television and writing a syndicated column for over 30 years now, talking about personal finances. A number of books. The most recent, "The Savage Truth on Money." But I also live in the corporate world, and I've served on the board of directors of some major corporations. Currently, CME Group, uh, which is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange mm-hmm. parent company. But I guess. And now also on WGN Radio, noon on Wednesdays with John Williams and WGN-TV in the morning and a bunch of other times during the week. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I I love talking about money. I I think not so much that I know where the markets are going, but I have always had this ability, I think, to connect with people in a truthful way and explain to them what the real risks are and what the real opportunities are.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Nice to have you with us. By the way, we should mention uh, uh, in talking about this legislation, uh, I want to just tell you a couple of things about the tax revenue aspect of the legislation. Mm-hmm. Democrats' tax revenue proposal has two uh um, elements. One is a 15% corporate minimum tax imposed on most corporations that make more than 1 million dollars a year and nearly 80 billion dollars for stricter yeah. tax enforcement by the IRS which Terry referenced a little while ago. That enhancement of tax uh, uh T- tax enforcement, however, uh, is suggesting that they're going to bring in 204 billion dollars in new revenue over a decade just by. This is according to the Congressional Bus B- Budget Office. This is by just uh, by by uh, you know following up and enforcing the IRS laws better. The Democratic package will reduce uh, uh, federal uh, budgets by over a hundred billion dollars over ten years, and I know both. Uh, our guests in studio—they both question that. So we're going to start with you, Mark. Uh, you don't think there's going to be much uh, uh, budget uh, de- deficit elements of this, right? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, it's not. It's uh, if anything, I think uh, some of the numbers are illusionary, um, as is most most times the case when you have subsidies that are scheduled in the bill to expire in 3 years they generally persist and if you start to whittle away at the uh, potential savings based on that metric alone you get near zero.
0: Think there's going to be much deficit mark?
2: Yeah, it just struck me as odd strategically, you know, we're we've just come out of a pandemic where sort of the checkbook was wide open and we're heading into this midterm election, no one's talking the Republicans aren't talking about Deficits and budget reduction, but so so I guess maybe to counter this spending idea, you know, they put in this we're going to pay down the the deficit by 300 billion. I just I don't see it happening. I we don't know if these revenue numbers are real. Um, so so when that you know five years goes by, we won't remember that they've said they're going to pay this 300 th- billion down. There's some folly
1: here too. One of my favorites is uh, uh, eliminating the uh, the uh, Trump rebate rule, which. Was dollars never spent in the first place, and now they're counting as savings by, by rebate net. on rebate on drugs. Uh, okay. Manufacturers paid rebates to Medicare Part D providers. Trump wanted to eliminate those. That's a cost for the government of 122 billion. It was never implemented, and this bill costs causes that a, uh, counts that as a savings. Mm-hmm. Now, last point I would make on right. the, on the on the deficit right. is the. We're talking about three hundred billion. The projected deficit accumulation over the next ten years is fourteen trillion, so it's a rounding error. Okay,
0: Terry Savage, you wanted to talk about the deficit.
3: Correct. I, 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 yeah, that was the point I was about to make. Bruce, you must have had Sheila Weinberger on from TruthInAccounting dot org. Yes, uh-huh. right. Ma'am. But if you go to the website, you had Sheila, right?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: If not, you should. No, Truthinaccounting.org, dot org. The ticking time clock, like the the you know the nuclear clock. And i just looked at it right now our published u.s national debt has just edged over 32 trillion dollars i mean it's added 10 trillion in the last six or seven years i mean both political parties okay but that's our published national debt that doesn't account for all the -the off-the-book stuff like military retirement and social security is not part of that and so forth if you add that in it we're over 144 What is it? It's not trillion. It's $144 trillion. I mean, I have to laugh every time they promise this and say it'll pay for itself that if we sit around seriously discuss the politicians or even the Congressional Budget Office projections, we are deluding ourselves. We get what we pay for. We're paying a lot of taxes. We're getting a lot of government and we're getting a lot of waste. And neither political party can hold its head high and say we're thinking about the taxpayers in the country. Um, you know yeah I, I think it's taken both political parties to get us into this mess the fed's doing its darnest to s- start sopping up some of the money that they accommodated with all the stimulus payments with all the government spending for the last few years and before that now the fed's going to have it say it's turned on its giant vacuum cleaner to start sucking liquidity out of the economy but it's still literally a drop in the bucket
0: mm-hmm. and uh do you believe there is a recession? Terry,
3: I believe I believe the Fed is trying desperately to make it a soft landing, but that their highest priority is to really put an end as best they can to inflation. And I think it's not just an American phenomenon here now because a lot of things could happen in the world. You know, it's interesting. Oil prices are back down under $90 a barrel again after being over 120 That's because Russia's being, found an outlet to sell its oil to India and China. So there's no shortage of oil now. But in the winter, Europe is going to be at the mercy of Russia with its need for natural gas to heat itself. And they're fighting tremendous inflation over there. If they have to raise rates to fight inflation in the middle of a a crisis on heating and food prices and so forth, there could be a recession that starts in Europe uh, and spreads here. We're not out of the woods yet. I hope not. So everybody hopes not. We could slow the inflation and not destroy jobs. But the Fed has made it clear what side it's on.
0: Do you believe uh, that's true, Greg?
1: It's going to be hard to avoid a recession. Uh, The combination of rising interest rates by the Fed and Fed, you know, Tightening of liquidity off their balance sheet—it's it, going to be nearly impossible to to avoid some sort of recession. I don't think we're in one now, candidly. I think what's confounding people is the jobs picture is so strong, but on the other hand, labor t- participation rate is still below pre-COVID levels in key key age cohorts.
0: But we're so, not in one now, you don't. I don't. I don't think we are now,
1: but I th- I think by year end we will be. Mark.
2: I don't think we're in recession, but I, I do see, you know, some warning signs. I'm not the financial expert that Terry is, but uh, as far as I know, consumer debt is is trending upward. We have not resolved the student loan debt issue that's still hanging out there, even though that was one of Biden's key campaign promises. Um, so, but, but is I do it one
0: you would like him to see keep?
2: Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, we're about uh, August 31st is the, the end of the moratorium on student loans from the last extension. The the secretary of education was on today had no answer. People are supposed to resume payments in less than like in in about seven eight days, and there's no answer from the federal government. It's you know it's incompetence.
1: That's the one. If you're a precinct camp, then you don't want to have to defend.
2: That's a
10: tough one.
3: Yeah, no, I've been saying this for quite a while now. How can you suddenly start to reimpose? First of all, people paid off their student loans, so it's totally unfair to wipe out student loans completely Mm -hmm. but how as a political move could you possibly start requiring them after two and a half years of not paying making payments on them to start two months before an election uh... something you're right absolutely mark something will be announced this week uh... i'm sure to postpone it till at least the end of the year past the election and there's there are lots of better solutions for student loans other than just complete forgiveness it's an insult those who worked and paid off their loans, okay. but they could reage the loans. They could wait. We got a pause. Back, back
0: shortly from Chicago. Their other spot.
6: Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice.
5: Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra. An exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above.
7: A public service announcement brought to you
12: by AARP and the Ad Council.
7: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure,
9: um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's
7: been twenty-three minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim.
16: Uh, you
10: should wait thirty minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! <laughs> cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
7: Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: Back and uh, there were a couple of things in this legislation that uh, Greg would like to comment on, as well as uh, uh, Mark. So we want to get Terry's response to that as well. But Greg, what's the what's the one thing then there that you wanted to? Explain well, there's
1: audience. a couple of things we could talk about. Uh, wh- one is the elimination, actually, of the the, uh, the carried interest uh, tax change. Uh, and you might imagine how I feel about that. But, I mean, first of all, nobody should be shedding tears over our business. We're blessed to be in private equity, and we are well compensated. But that tax in particular was uh, inconsistent with comparable law. Um, it doesn't generate a lot of money. And but this
0: is what S- Senator Sinema of Arizona, she killed Arizona, it. She yeah. killed it. And uh, because of that, it's not in the bill. Correct. What would it have done?
1: It would have changed the tax treatment of carried interest, which is the profit interests that asset managers make on on, uh, on value achieved uh, from a capital gains rate to an ordinary ordinary income. So
0: it would be a a tax a, a hair, tax
1: rate change.
0: A tax rate a heavy tax rate. It change? would
1: almost double. Okay. And so not just heavy, for our industry, for many. But a heavy
0: ma- tax rate change for men and women who are in the business of making fairly large salaries anyway.
1: Uh, that, larger, that's correct. Now, okay. here, here's what's inconsistent about it, in my view, is it's not any different than a an employee at Google getting stock options that are eventually taxed mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. capital gains rate. So there's some inconsistencies, and the complexity of that law Leads into so many other sectors of the economy. Uh, I think that's ultimately why it it didn't pass.
2: Mark? Yeah, one one, uh, topic that's been on Progressive Minds and talking points for many years is some sort of financial uh, transaction tax. And that didn't quite happen in this bill, but they did uh, institute a 1% uh, uh, fee on uh, stock buybacks, a 1% charge. So that You know, for the average uh, listener, basically corporations sometimes will buy back their own uh, publicly traded corporations. This is, it only applies to publicly held corporations. They can buy back shares of their stock, and when they do that, um, basically they're taxed a percent on every uh, dollar of that buyback. And so the idea of that is, uh, you know, for companies cash, cash heavy, um, some of that revenue that's, you know, generated uh, or expended by the company then gets captured in the form of tax revenue.
0: Terry, I want to go back to you looking into the po- political crystal ball. Who is going to be most upset with this come November? Is it going to be the middle class? Is it going to be people who make more than $400,000 a year? Uh, is it going to be really wealthy people? Who is going to be upset with the Democrats for making this happen?
3: You know, Bruce, I, I honestly don't think people are going to get this figured out. I don't think it's there that's that this particular bill is gonna have look, um the the fact that carried interest this would be taxing um hedge fund managers, let's say, on their twenty percent slice of the profits as ordinary income and no that won't happen. It just proves that there was a lot of contributions made to politicians who said, oh, yeah, we'll take a pass on that one. And the idea of taxing stock buybacks, look, a corporation can do three things with its money. It could pay out a dividend. That's great for all the shareholders. You're in your 401k and your index fund. It could um, reinvest in new plant and equipment. Maybe they don't wanna do that because they don't think the economy is so great. Or they could buy back their own stock. That makes their earnings per share, if there are fewer shares, their earnings per share go up. And that means the stock price should probably move higher. That went into effect years ago, so we would align management, not with salaries, but their stock investments in the company would encourage them to do the right thing. We're moving the chess pieces around here on the board, but I don't think anybody in November is gonna say that what happened with this bill results in checkmate or or whatever else in chess is a a winning move. I just don't think this is gonna make a lot of difference. I, I think that Mark is absolutely right. What they do with student loans going forward is going to have a big impact. Um, if they don't get the IRS problems fixed, $80 billion is going to be a slap in the face to the taxpayers who are waiting for them to do the work. So there are a lot of other problems that hit people more closely, and they won't see the results of this, um, of the lower prices on prescriptions by November. So I think this is kind of a non-event for the election, not for people. I have,
0: I have a question about the way we teach uh, in America's public schools. Do you think a graduate of Chicago's or any public education system in the country, do you think they even have the basic information about how our business works in this country, how the stock market works, how the free enterprise system? Are they given any oh, training at all? If they have
3: all? junior achievement, Bruce, if they have junior achievement, and I've been on the advisory board of junior achievement forever and ever, it's in almost every public school classroom. Corporations support it and do the teaching. Junior Achievement creates the courses. You're absolutely right at what your question's leading at. We need to let our students know how free enterprise works, and we need to make free enterprise available for them to understand in the schools. Do, do, so support Junior Achievement.
0: Do the uh, Greg to you. Do the do the major uh, financial companies in the country, whether it's a bank or it's a hedge fund, do they have any? Uh, system where they try to teach young people about that business or do they have to just go to college and spend lots and lots of money? I I think
1: unfortunately it's the uh, it's the latter. Um, It is an apprenticeship business but usually there's uh, quite a bit of training and interest and development that occurs before that. There are certainly large banks and institutions that will support community development in many many areas but I'm not sure it's specific to financial literacy
0: isn't that one of the major problems we face in this country mark is that too many poor people don't know how to become rich people
2: Well, and it's not always just a matter of education I, you know plays a role in it but um, you know financial education i do think um, you know as a college professor part of our core general education program is teaching students how to access the systems of power in an economy And um, and that comes through uh, education and and access to how do you get capital? How do you find that capital either through private equity or through um, investors um, in your own community?
0: But are there too many professors who don't like or are resentful to business that they don't want to teach students about it?
2: Not in my experience. I'm sure they're out there, and um, but but no, I I think many professors want their students become successful.
0: Okay. They may not believe in the free enterprises. (laughs) Mark Casella, you're going to be back for hour number two. Greg Marshall, you're going to be back for hour number two. Terry Savage, you're not. You're going to be able to enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you very much. It's always a delight to have Terry Savage as a guest on this program. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from another interesting guest, Dick Morris. He's got a story to tell.
6: Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for Working Adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelors. See how close you are to finishing your degree at PurdueGlobal.edu. That's PurdueGlobal.edu.
10: Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride, with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.
5: At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, a kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest
4: Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities.
13: Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends eight twenty eight twenty two. 22 Restrictions apply. Call for details.
11: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
0: This is Bruce Dumont. We continue with our number two of Beyond the Beltway from beautiful Elk Grove Village, just outside Chicago. And uh, Mark Casello, our Democrat, and Republican Greg Marshall, they continue to join me in studio. But we are welcomed uh, from his palatial home on the East Coast, Dick Morris, uh, one of the country's leading political operatives, author of the new book, The Return, about Donald Trump. And Dick Morris, nice to have you with us on Beyond the Beltway. Appreciate
17: it. Well, the full subtitle is Donald Trump's uh, big comeback in 2024. Big comeback. I think that he he has a lock on the Republican nomination. I think he's going to win the election. And uh, I think that, uh, I think he's in great shape. Do any
0: do any of the legal things that are swirling around out there, are you worried about any of those legal things coming to fruition? Or will he continue to run even if he's under some sort of a legal cloud uh, in some oh, yeah. courtroom somewhere?
17: And if he's indicted, he's going to run and he'll get the Republican nomination mm-hmm. and probably win the election. He got impeached twice. What's one more indictment? uh the uh the point is though that trump the democrats have decided not to use the political system anymore to oppose trump they've seen how trump dominates the republican primaries winning every race except one or two for his candidates and uh, they've decided to use the criminal justice system to keep trump out of the race so the Malalago raid was pretextually about Archives, I don't think it had anything to do with archives. I don't think anyone gives a damn about that. That makes some historian 30 years from now. What it was, was about was a search warrant to get in the door at Mar-a-Lago so that they could search for documents to try to prove the fanciful notion that Trump was in mounting an insurgency to topple the American government on January 6th. And the reason they're doing that is that in 1866, when the uh, first election was held after the Civil War, the readmitted Southern states sent boatloads of Confederate generals and elected officials to represent them in Congress. And the Congress said nothing doing. We're not giving back in the election stuff we won on the battlefield. So they said, if you're involved in an insurrection against the government, you can't hold public office. And the Democrats are trying to say that, uh, that January 6th was such an insurrection. But the January 6th committee couldn't come up with any evidence, basically, because there is none.
8: Dick, let so me ask you. let me ask a lago with
17: Dick. the objective of combing it for evidence or planting evidence with the objective of keeping Trump off the ballot.
0: Dick, I want to ask you this question. I don't think there's anyone that would doubt that the majority of those who vote in Republican primaries at the moment, at the moment, would support Donald Trump. But in your view, what is the magic number? What's the number of people within the Republican Party that despise Donald Trump, won't vote for him, will vote against him, or vote for Liz Cheney or vote for someone else, but are they absolute lost to the Trump campaign? What is that? You must have a. You must At, have guessed on what that magic number. What number?
17: About nine percent. Nine percent. Yeah, nine. And uh so if we uh if Trump is the candidate, which I think he will be, he'll get ninety one percent of the Republican vote, but he'll lose nine.
0: All right, now if that were the case, uh, primary what what would the what would the Democratic turnout be? In other words, I I I want to hear from you what you think the math is if he runs again with with only ninety one percent of the Republican vote, what does he do in a campaign against A democrat and possibly a a libertarian
17: the real stat is that about 80 percent of the republicans but only about 65 percent of the democrats actually vote in a presidential election and the democrats win about 90 percent of theirs and we win about 90 percent of ours the variant is the independent vote and the independent vote usually about half of it votes and at the moment, we're leading among independents in his trial heat against Biden by 30 points. So I think we're probably going to be in pretty good shape.
0: So you don't think the results of the Mar-a-Lago raid or of any of the hearings uh, are having any significant effect on independent voters or Republican voters that voted against Donald Trump two years ago?
17: Yeah, they're driving independents and Republicans to Trump in droves. Uh, energizing them. Look, the key in a congressional election is turnout. And this is motivating incredible turnout by them. And the way you know that the Democrats know it's killing them is no Democrat is defending these raids. You don't hear Biden or Harris or Pelosi or Schumer out there saying this raid was justified, and I'm glad it happened. None of them are willing to own this raid, because you know, it's absolute impossible, impossible to defend. And uh, their goal in the raid is not to get the archives. That's the only thing they can get a warrant for because they have some ability to prove that. But January 6th documents, which is basically skywriting. It's fanciful. It didn't happen.
0: Uh, Dick, we have a Republican in studio <clears> with us, Greg Marshall. Uh, I don't know the answer to this question, but uh, uh, how do you respond to uh, Dick looking at their faces Dick's, trying Dick's to figure succession. out
17: who is who and this tell is, me which well, is Greg
0: great.
1: Marshall maybe' is a this will help. Well, I get, you know, I go back to 2016, and, I guess wrong, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's all right. I, I go back to 16. I'm, I'm wondering Dick how much anti Hillary sentiment contributed to Trump's victory. Cause I, I, I do think it comes down obviously to the independence and there's a lot of reasons. independents would not vote for Donald Trump in this election. Huge, I, huge. I, I do. I do think the congressional wave well,
17: let me is, is question. real. A huge amount of uh, the of the uh, Trump victory in 16 was animosity to Hillary. And, you know, I used to be the Clinton's chief advisor for 20 years. Uh, It's well deserved animosity. And uh, and I think that the uh, so I think that's true. But I believe the Democratic candidate in 2024 is going to be Hillary. And I explained it in my book, The Return, which is what I'm here promoting. They'll go to Biden right after they get wiped out in the 22 election and say, look, you can't run again. Uh, We won't throw you out using the 25th Amendment, but you have to announce you're not running again. We can't go into another election with you at the head of the ticket.
0: Who will say this?
17: The Democratic leaders, Pelosi, Schumer, at all. Because we can't go into an election with the president with a 40% approval rating. So Biden will will announce that he's not running and he won't leave the presidency, but he won't run. And all the Democrats are going to come out of the woodwork then and declare their candidacy. And as with 2016, the front runners are going to be the leftists because the democratic electorate has moved so far to the left. Uh, and in 2016, they were about to nominate Sanders when they went to Hillary hat in hand and said, please run, save us from Bernie Sanders. In this case, it'll be AOC and Warren and Sanders. And I think that uh, they'll do the same thing. I think Hillary will graciously consent to run. I think she'll lose most of the primaries, but she'll win the superdelegate to the party appoints and tells how to vote. And Trump will absolutely slaughter her, massacre her in the election of 24. By the way, I wrote a book in 16 entitled Armageddon, how Trump can beat Hillary. And that was published six months before election day and nobody else was predicting it, but I was completely right.
0: Okay, we're going to pause. Mark Costello, our Democrat, he's got some questions for you as well, as well as our listeners, 1-800-723-8289. we are talking with Dick Morris, author of the book, The Return. Don't go away.
10: Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a
6: high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for Working Adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. 145 over 92.
9: 180 over 111. 182 over 100.
13: And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke.
14: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
15: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
16: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I
14: couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
15: but I'm gonna make it better. I'm uh, Coming back, to ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
14: Brought to you by the American Heart Association,
16: American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
0: Bruce <clears throat> Dumont back, and uh, during the break, our Democrat Mark Casello said that he agreed with you, Dick Morris. He does think that <laughs> it might be Hillary Clinton in 2024. <laughs> but go ahead, he's got a question yeah. for you
2: uh hi dick pleasure to speak hi. with you mark casello here um i want to ask you um i was curious to hear what you thought about the outcome in kansas uh recently and, and what factor you think the overturning of roe v wade is going to play uh, in the midterms and possibly in 2024.
17: i think it'll have a big effect i think that uh, the majority of the people in this country majority of voters want women to have the right to choose and uh i think the republicans lose votes over that on the other hand, uh, Republicans are gaining votes uh, from parent power. Uh, you saw that in Virginia with uh, um, with with the, with the, with, the, with, the, with I'm sorry, his name. Uh, his victory in, for governor of Virginia and uh, parent power—the desire for parents to control what their kids see and read about pornography and critical race theory and that stuff—is really galvanizing that population. And uh, I think that it's going to be a fight between the abortion decision that will pull them toward the Democrats and the power issue that will pull them toward the Republicans. I think that as the issue develops, it's going to be more pro-Republican, because I think people will soon realize that their state law hasn't changed, that they can still have the abortion because they live in Illinois or some state that permits it. And it'll become much more an issue of when we do in other states though that'll that'll be a factor but not as important as what happens in their school
0: most uh, most political operatives at least in the journalistic field thus far in analyzing the the candidates for the u.s senate this year they have sort of all come to one conclusion a lot of the people who were endorsed by donald trump they're not going to do well in the general election because these journalists have described them as extreme and out of the ma- and out of the mainstream. My question to you is, as you look at the Republican field, um, what do you think are the likelihood that the Republicans will regain control of the U.S. Senate this year, given uh, the candidates that they have?
17: Oh, about aiding and uh, wing control, yeah. almost certain uh control. Four or five seats, I might say it's uh, 70, 60, 70%. Okay. These folks are the same crowd that thought Trump was going to lose in 16, right. that thought he would lose Michigan by 20 points and uh, Georgia by, uh, um, Pennsylvania by 10. Uh, they're, they're Democrats, and their goal here is to spread the idea that the Republican candidates can't win to dry up their fundraising. The fact of the matter is that if they knew anything about politics that most of them don't, is that the turnout is the key factor in an off-year election. Most people don't vote. Uh, Only about 50% of the registered voters vote in congressional elections, and only about 40% of the voting age population votes. So the issue is, how do you turn out the vote? That's why that abortion decision will be significant in turning out democratic votes more important will be the trump candidates winning and with that enthusiasm and that base propelling them i think it's going to be a wholesale slaughter of the democrats i think not only will the republicans hold all their seats including ron johnson who seems iffy but i think they'll win, and they'll pick up all of the marginal seats they're looking at in new hampshire nevada and um and arizona uh georgia could go either way but i think we'll win that but I just have done polling that shows that Blumenthal in Connecticut and Murray in Washington state and Bennett in Colorado are endangered species. And I think we've got a pretty good shot at winning all three of those races. So I think we're looking at a pickup of six to eight, six to seven seats. Can't get up to 60, but we'll be up to 55 or 56. And don't believe the garbage they're feeding. And you know, the funny thing is McConnell, the majority leader is feeding the same garbage. Right. Because beneath the fight of the D's versus the R's for the Senate is the fight between Trump and McConnell for control of the Republican Party in the mm-hmm. Senate. And uh, McConnell, Trump, McConnell lost all of his primaries. Trump won almost all of them. And now McConnell is trying to diss the Republicans that won the primary because he doesn't want to be out on his butt when uh, the Republicans win.
0: Yeah. When you mentioned a little while ago your longtime activity, uh, with the Clinton uh, White House, you were a key advisor uh, to Bill Clinton, so you you know Bill and you know Hillary uh, probably as good as anybody certainly on this broadcast this evening. So my question to you is, because so many of the people in 2016 who responded to Trump were really rallying against Hillary Clinton, so you know that a lot of people in America hate Hillary Clinton and a lot of people. Love Hillary Clinton. Now, when you were work, working for them, I, I I don't want to suggest that you were in in love with Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, in in a in a in a professional way, but I don't also also don't think that you hated Hillary Clinton during that time. Yeah. So my question to you is, what is it about her personality that makes her loved or hated by so many people?
17: Well, first of all, to clarify, I. Worked for Bill and not for Hillary. Okay. And, uh, and I had to deal with Hillary and I did. We got along fine. I thought she was a very good campaign manager. And uh, but I just but she changed. Uh, Hillary was moderate in Arkansas. In Arkansas, she supported testing of teachers. She supported getting rid of bad teachers regardless of tenure. She supported school choice. Uh, she became very leftist when she moved to Washington and her ambition shifted to running for president and winning a Democratic primary. Um, But uh, but I've always been Bill's consultant, not Hillary's. Mm. And, uh, And I think that what turns people off about Hillary, the problem with Hillary is there's always an original sin underneath everything that motivates everything she does and moves her to be dishonest even when she didn't have to be. Uh, the current one is, is, the email scandal is a great example. The reason she hid the emails was that she had set up a pay for play scheme with Bill and the state department, where if somebody needed a favor from the state, from the state, uh, they would invite Bill to give a speech, pay him a million bucks. And then, uh, and then Hillary would deliver and, uh, to expose that. And, and if she, if there was an email trail, people would see that these are complicated transactions you can't just give a wink and a nod Mm -hmm. so she hid the emails and that cost her the election go back 20 years she didn't release her tax returns and wouldn't let bill release his in 1980 and 81. Mm -hmm. why because she wanted to cover up her earnings in the futures market Mm -hmm. where she put in a thousand bucks and made a hundred thousand and she wasn't going to release the tax returns until the statute of limitations on insider trading had run. And then in 83, when it was over, the tax returns came out. In the meantime, they appointed a special prosecutor because they thought she'd stolen money in Whitewater, which she never did. Right. But uh, but they, she keeps getting herself into trouble.
0: Dick, we, we've only got about four minutes left. And again, uh, the title of the book is The Return. But I, w- I want to go back to 1996. In your particular case, you were you were the political advisor to the president of the United States. You were one of the most sought-after political strategists in the country. You were on all kinds of shows at all kinds of time, and then uh, you got trapped. You you got caught in a sex scandal on the eve of the Democratic convention, and because of your sexual life. Uh, you were embarrassed. You were publicly embarrassed uh, by the revelations. And my question to you is, and and maybe you'll share it with us. Maybe you won't. When you look back at that time, were you done in by Republicans? Were you done in by the FBI, the CIA? Who was it that dropped a dime on you and your sexual proclivities? That really. Uh, ended your activity at the White House, at least at that point?
17: I don't believe I can blame anybody else. I don't know. You have to take a number and wait online. The Republicans hated me because I was getting Bill reelected, mm-hmm. and the Democrats hated me because I moved Bill to the center, and in the view of the left, I stole their president from them. So I don't know which one of those set me up, but I do know that I did it to myself. And uh, I uh, became a Christian after that. I. Was baptized on my 50th birthday in 1997 and i went through a 12-step program and uh changed completely by the way it's very poignant because at this moment my wife is fighting for her life uh, having had a stroke a year and a half ago uh, but uh the last 25 years of our marriage since that scandal have been irreplaceable and wonderful and thank god i went through that process thank god god sent me that adversity. But you never tried to track it down. What?
0: But no. you never tried to track it down within the, within either within the journalistic community or within the intelligence community.
17: No, no, of course not. Uh, I'm not interested in what happened then. I'm interested in what happened since.
0: And how often do you talk to Donald Trump?
17: Oh, usually about twice a week, and during the election, twice a day. Uh, I was secret in the election. Nobody knew I was heavily involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured I had baggage and he had baggage and we decided not to combine them. But um my father was Donald Trump's lawyer and uh my Roy Cohn, his chief mentor, was my cousin. And uh so my Roy family Cohn was your cousin for a long time.
0: Roy Cohn was your cousin? Yes. I have I have a quick question about Roy Cohn. Is it true that he was the he was the president of the Q tip company? Have you ever heard um, that? Q-tips. I don't know. Okay, because I, I, I heard that in a documentary once, and I had never heard that, and you're the first person that ever said you were related to Roy Cohn. That uh, I, thought I, I thought I would ask the question. Dick Morris, thank you very much. You're only gonna be with us for a half hour tonight. Thank you. The title of the book is The Return. It's about uh, the, the return of Donald Trump. Dick Morris thinks that he will return as a Republican nominee. And will be Be the next president of the United
17: States. Second coming, but I thought that was
0: presumptuous. (laughs) I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks very much, Dick Morris. Thanks for being with us. Back shortly with more.
5: At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick
4: up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above.
7: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
9: Sure, Um, we'll probably stay together.
7: Probably? (laughs) It's been twenty-three minutes since I ate. (laughs) I can probably swim.
10: Uh, you should wait thirty minutes. Mm, Okay, (laughs) tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
7: Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
0: Okay. Say it Bruce Dumont back. We continue with, uh, Greg Marshall, who was a Republican and Mark Casella, who's a Democrat and, uh, I want want to pick up on the conversation we were having about uh, Donald Trump and also uh, uh, what's happening with the the hearings and also what's happening uh, with the uh, with the raid at uh, Mar-a-Lago you're you're eating this all up right yes yes you think this is lots of fun
2: (laughs) well you know I I guess I want to see the truth come out i want i want an investigation of the insurrection i want to see the facts um, wherever they they may lead but i do have to admit and I, you know and we we're, we're talking thinking about um, bill clinton a minute ago and the king of king of empathy yeah. um empathizing with the other side if i were a trump supporter It would look highly political to me, you know. Whether whether he's being, you know, justifiably investigated or not, Mm -hmm. the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the simultaneous investigation of his business, Weiselberg going to prison. Yep. um, It just just bad optics in general for the Democrats. I think if you're trying to win over any kind of middle of the road Republican voter who would be sympathetic
1: uh, toward the Democrat position.
0: Greg, do you have sympathy for Donald Trump?
1: No, I don't. I I and I'm a Republican with a small r. Right. Um, but I what what's what's sad about this is it's a, it's a distraction from so many other bigger problems that the country's facing. Mm-hmm. And and I it's all politics. It's politically motivated, but so were the activities of January 6th. Um, and while I do want to see some resolution to this, I do want the country to move back to the middle. And stop fighting about the But
0: you like want this. Donald Trump to be indicted?
1: If he broke the law, he should be indicted.
0: Do you want him to be indicted?
1: If that's where the law takes us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think that the Trump coalition is smaller than people think. And this all this has damaged him. Despite the political motivations, perhaps from the other side, it has to erode his coalition. And I don't think, as a result, he's electable. I, I would disagree. I think you know
2: as I watched Trump's candidacy his presidency we were always assuming on the left that okay this scandal or this statement will be the end of Trump but now uh, he still has supporters we've had an insurrection we've had um, two impeachments we've had you know we've the, the voters have seen Donald Trump in his full glory you know, across uh, but isn't that why you lost term.
1: in in 20 uh, people did say they, he lost to a gentleman who was in his basement during the campaign. And well, it was the an abolition argu- was yeah. eroding there, I would
2: argue. But. but, you know, Biden has come across he was supposed to be the figure of competence and he's not shown himself. You know, his brand did not hold to that scrutiny. So I could see a, a chunk of America maybe going back, um, you know, or if Liz Cheney wouldn't have been trounced so badly in that recent election, I would think, well, there is a. A traditional conservative voice and coalition out there that could take Trump out of the picture, but uh, Dick Morris may be right. This could be Trump's comeback in twenty twenty
0: four. Do you believe in a comeback? You don't want a, you don't want a comeback, okay? But my question is, do you think there could be a comeback for
1: I, for Trump? Th- there, there is a path, and and again, we saw in the in the election. In 2020, he, he can take the air out of a room in a debate. Mm-hmm. Um, there were probably better better candidates on that stage than Donald Trump. Uh, that could happen again, absolutely. But I just I I, 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 I I just fear for the the implications for the process. I want I, I want to
0: know for for those people who voted in 2020, for those people who went to the polling place, uh, who had voted for Donald Trump in the past. And they decided that they were not going to vote for Donald Trump again. Okay, those people, as far as I'm concerned, they're pretty much locked in. I can't mm-hmm. imagine some, a Republican who voted against Donald Trump in 2020, coming back to Donald Trump. Now, there may be a handful that do, but I don't think the numbers are large. So I'm wondering, and I would also include independents in that group. So I'm looking for the populate to try to define the population of Americans who would be a pool from which Donald Trump could dive into and pull votes from in twenty twenty four. It's got it, to be and I, and I don't yeah. I don't know who and I'm and I've tried real hard to to think of who those people would be and I can't think of them.
1: Well, it would be the group of people who like his policies and not the person. And the, well, I there's don't know how, a lot of people like, Yeah, that. And that's the group. or are so repulsed by the other side's policies that they are, by definition, going the other
0: way. But they would basically hold because they liked the policies, because they probably liked the policies last time, but they didn't like his personality. So what you're saying is there's a sufficient number of people that will hold their nose and go in and vote for him after he had lost. After they voted for him, after September, after January uh, for uh, January sixth, and after uh, the hearings, and after the raid, all all of those things, the Republican who voted against him in November of two years ago, would still come back.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure
0: that's an awful. That's an awful lot to get over.
2: It it is it is, but, um, I do think about the the average uh, republican voter out there who who you know i can already see the tea leaves coming anti immigration it's been kind of quiet for a while there's a there's still an influx of immigrants coming across the border the democrats and haven't
0: It's worse now than before.
2: And the democrats have not come back with any kind of immigration reform yeah. that would have a, a human a human approach to immigration and expansion of visas i don't see any of that happening so we don't have a counter argument on the left to say well We're actually going to make lawful immigration help our economy. We don't see that. And so we're going to have finish that wall, you know, build up wall, part two, vilification again of immigrants. And that message is going to resonate again with a a large chunk of voters who are uh, Are anti-immigrant.
0: Are you fearful of what Donald Trump would be during a second administration if he never had to run for office again? What sort of president would he be, Greg?
1: Well, he may be the first president who has an empty library because it's all electronic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wouldn't be necessarily afraid of his policies because I think Congress plays a much larger role there. And to me, that's where all the action is. Would they stand up
0: to him? I think they would. You think they'd stand up to him? I'm not so sure about that.
2: No, if if it didn't happen after January 6th, it's not happening. I mean, that was a... Well, the
0: the Democrats might stand up. Let's go to Edward, listening to us in Chicago. He's got a question about another candidate. Go ahead, Edward.
8: Yeah, Bruce, thank you for taking my call. So I wish I would have held on for uh, Dick Morris, but I called the show before. But uh, anyways, uh, I'm leaning towards Mr. DeSantis because uh, Mark and other Democrats will not be able to talk about January 6th and instead have to talk about stuff like crime and inflation. So I want to get the uh, panel's reaction about that. All right, Mark, let's let you
2: respond. No, I, I think the color brings up a great point. Um, you know, crime, public safety. You know, the, people are, uh, on the right are hammering that it's an issue uh, in, in Chicago and elsewhere. So I, I do think you know, DeSantis can make that argument. You might see people on the left uh, pushing a candidate like Adams from New York City, who's you know uh, pro law enforcement. You could see that happen, but it, it's definitely going to be a talking uh, a topic of conversation.
0: Greg, any comment on that?
1: No, I think DeSantis is probably the uh, the leader in the clubhouse. If it's not uh, Donald Trump,
0: okay. Let's go to Scott. Listening to it? No, I guess we're not ready. Are we ready or not, uh, Fritz? We got him or not? Yes. Let's go to Scott in
8: Austin, Texas. Scott, are you there? Yes. To the person who is just talking about Trump voters or and Trump being anti-immigrant, yeah. you are exactly wrong. You completely understand what Trump and what Trump voters are saying. We're not anti-immigrant. We're anti-illegal immigration. We want immigrants to come here. Trump wanted immigrants to come here. We just wanted them to come here legally so that they can work and live and live the American dream and contribute to society. But you keep saying that's anti-immigrant. No, bringing people here illegally so they can be exploited as anti-immigrant.
2: No, yeah, I, that is
8: why you are absolutely wrong about Trump and why you don't understand why to vote for him well let's let him respond
2: sure no I I understand where you come from Scott actually that you know I'm pro legal immigration um, there's people legally in the US trying to work trying to get a visa it's very difficult even for the, the legal people but I went through a Trump presidency for four years and I never saw legal immigration reform I, I want a bipartisan immigration reform that brings legal immigration that That gives people an opportunity to come. Just shutting the doors, having different visa requirements. For example, for citizens from Canada, they can get a three-year visa, but people from Mexico, you've got a one-year visa. Why
0: don't you think we have that resolution?
2: Because it's it's a politically uh, a third rail issue. No one's figured out how to make this argument. I think Scott.
0: Is it a political rail for Republicans or Democrats? Because I think it's more of a political rail for Republicans.
8: May I respond? Yes. Go ahead. What did Trump do? One of the first things when he got into office, he told that idiot uh, from Wisconsin, the former Speaker of the House, to uh, Ryan right. to go ahead and pass DACA, re, re, DACA, DACA, whatever it was that Obamacare, if he says, you want DACA or you want to do away with Obamacare, you want to do away with this, go ahead and do it. And what did Ryan do? He acted like he'd never heard of being able to legislate before. That's a problem with Democrats and Republicans. Neither one of them want to solve these problems. They could have solved immigration. They could have solved infrastructure. They could have solved all this stuff decades ago, but they won't. Trump is the only one who actually tried to do anything about it, and Trump can't make the policy because that's not what executive orders are for. Only the Congress can do that.
0: Well, I think you're. I think you're right about uh, Speaker Ryan. I think he was. Uh, he was a weak speaker, and again, uh, he was. He was never going to make the. He was never going to create the legislation uh, that would have dealt with uh, with visas. He just. He wasn't going to do it. He was. He was beholden to the corporations, and uh, they wanted cheap labor, and uh, cheap labor means uh, open borders in many cases. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago.
5: At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zinc and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra. An exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. A kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick
4: up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above.
11: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 145 over 92.
9: 180 over 111. 182 over 100.
13: And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke.
14: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
15: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke
16: my memory is shot when i woke up i couldn't speak
14: lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at ManageYourBP.org. it's a new life
15: but i'm going to make it better i'll come back ask your doctor check your blood pressure
14: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
0: Mr. back. uh, Governor Abbott of Texas, Uh, he's gotten wild up, and uh, he's decided that he is going to send illegal immigrants who come into Mexico, from Mexico to Texas, He's going to put them on a bus and send them to New York City and Washington, D.C. The mayors of those two towns are irate. Um, that seems like a pretty good idea to me, Greg.
1: It's a brilliant NIMBY re- revenge move.
6: <laughs> yeah, But, but, it, it, but it's,
1: it's met, it, it really does um, you know, address the issue or perhaps shine a light on the issue. The, the towns on the border are under-resourced or, or overflow and of immigrants illegal or not and uh these folks can't do their job they're taking taking resources from other productive areas and it's it's really a shame
2: you know i, I think you know politically in the and, and logistically in the short term it's a it's a burden uh for the communities but i think long term you know the these are people who are going to become contributing members of our culture and our society and uh hopefully we fix this broken system uh, to get them properly integrated but you got people coming in with with skills and interests and family connections and and uh, a really at heart, a belief in the American dream, uh, and that's why they're coming and that's why they're here. So, um, well, then
0: why shouldn't they go immediately to a sanctuary city? I mean, yeah, the fact is that the the mayor of New York and the mayor of Washington are all upset. They want you know that they they want legislation. They want more National Guard troops. To handle these people that are coming in off the buses, and the reality is, they're bragging that they're sanctuary cities.
2: Take care of them. Yeah, the, you know, there's an expression: "Eat, eat what you cook," right? Yeah. You know, but but in the end, who's you know the American people? We're all in this together. This is a you know that we have to look at our foreign policy that's leading to the you know it's contributing to uh, immigration flows, our economic system. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past about verify and other programs to to make our immigration. Uh, system function better, but uh, you know, it's politically, it's a it's a nice short-term tactic. Uh, but I think long-term, uh, these are human beings with families and and lives, and uh, I think a more compassionate approach is is in order. But but uh, the Democrats, you know, have to put their money where their mouth is. What uh,
1: was wrong with remain in Mexico? That seemed like a reasonable middle doable. ground, doable, functioning infrastructure the
2: the main issue was that there there wasn't a lot of bilateral coordination before that policy was implemented and so there was not infrastructure in place there wasn't support for those border communities to to handle that remain in mexico population that was there so i think had there been more advanced coordination something like that made sense during a pandemic uh, to to some extent right
0: what is the responsibility of the american taxpayer to provide a lifestyle in South American and Central American countries so those people who are victims of violence and murder and, and horrendous governments to to be safe I mean do do we have a responsibility to protect their lives is that is that where the humane definition comes in we have to we have to pick them up we have to make sure they come to the United States We've got to treat them with kid gloves.
2: Well, we made that.
0: Got to make sure that they don't die.
2: We made that decision when we started intervening in in coups in Latin America when we were supporting dictators. Um, That's a know. few years ago. Though. Yeah, but still, it's it's contributed. Our our economic system relies and and takes a you know exploits these countries. There's corrupt governments. Uh, you know, we've we've funneled money, but there, there's countries at war. There's civil mm. wars happening that, that we've contributed to in various ways. So I think we, we're complicit at some level. To what extent does that obligate us to care cradle to grave for someone who crosses our border? That's up for discussion. Yeah.
1: I mean I, I think we have an obligation as a humanitarian sanctuary. I think where the lines get blurry is economic sanctuary. And that's where the American worker is the offset. And you know, how do you treat them fairly while perhaps you're you know bringing an e- economic refugees into the country illegally
0: what's the answer to that question uh, how should we treat them better
1: uh, economic refugees yeah. I mean I that's I think that's a debatable point I mean are we an economic refugee can you come here legally or otherwise and be an ec- economic refugee I mean, there's many that believe that's not the proposition we're offering
2: bring us your tired your poor your huddled masses yearning to breathe free um, we put it on the statue of liberty but we got to live it
0: who is going to who's going to enforce that is that a is that the policy of the democratic party i mean that when you hear them talk that's sort of what you hear them saying but do they really mean that because i don't believe their constituency want them to say that no i, I, don't, I don't think there's many i don't think there's that many more democrats out there that want to turn the other cheek when it comes to uh, illegal immigration, than Republicans. I don't think they like the idea
8: either.
2: Yeah, I just I I want to see. I I think the you know we'll throw it out to the callers. But the there's a call for immigration reform. I think if you polled the Americans, there's a majority of people in favor of some immigration reform and what form that would take, as far as amnesty. Uh, but there's a there's a hunger for that. Should for there
0: that. be amnesty for some?
2: Absolutely, Ronald Reagan gave amnesty. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you, you think know. there should
0: be amnesty for some? I mean, is is that part of the the hard I think that's pill gonna, to swallow?
1: I think that is the hard pill to swallow. I
0: think it is too. But yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. But at some point, it's got to stop, right? I mean, there's got to be uh, a border that functions and uh, security checks on people coming through, and some sort of governor on uh, the economic opportunity as well. Unfortunately.
0: Well, I think you, the idea of of the stay in Mexico. Uh, policy is one that it didn't make any sense to me why that was uh, obliterated by the Biden administration because it seemed to me a, it it was a it was a safety valve for the administration of the process and again when right. you forced them out it it didn't make any sense.
2: Yeah, but I would just add one thing too that that doesn't get brought up that much, but many people from Latin America who are here illegally would be happy to go back to their home country, and when they're here undocumented, it makes it harder to do so. So uh, you know, we live in a free economic system. People want to travel as freely across those borders back home. Um, if even if they're if they're economic immigrants, they're here, but they still want to be home. They don't always want to stay in America.
0: Well, they need. They also, first of all, they need they need passes to be able to work. Yeah. And again, that's something. You know, getting that to them in a in an expeditious way uh, is one way that we can help resolve this issue. But again, uh, we're not going to have an answer for it uh, soon. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thank you very much to Greg Marshall for joining us this evening. First visit, thanks very much, Greg. Mark Casello, always a pleasure having you back on the broadcast. Terry Savage and Dick Morris.
6: Also joined us there, thanks to Fritz Goldman for making the program possible. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for Working Adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than one million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's
4: purdueglobal.edu. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities.
13: Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8:28:22. Restrictions apply. Call for
10: details. <sighs> goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fair thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride, with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? or for surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the
5: juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, A kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above.
16: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.